1: watch this you made us watch something we didn't like
2: next time we'll
1: watch something we
2: like but we can't believe
0: you made us watch you made made us us watch anatomy of of a murder. murder we're here with our well god he's Sort of like the godfather of this podcast. Um yes. We're here with Johnny Mockney mm-hmm. from the We Are Movies podcast, who you and I both did his podcast, yes. which kind of inspired us to want to do our own podcast where we talk about movies and every other episode, at the very least, shit on Johnny for liking <laughs> Waterworlds, <laughs> which prompted Johnny and Louis Michael to record the an funniest. entire-
2: Episode yeah. I've ever heard.
0: Yes, so please. <laughs> where someone is
2: dedicated to making fun of us. Yes, it's pretty great.
0: So please listen to the Waterworld episode, and then listen to Johnny and Louie in rebuttal of.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Johnny, thank you so much for
1: inspiring us, for being a cool guy, for turning us onto movies, for turning us onto this movie. You're awesome, bud. Of course, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, and and I want to say first of all, something happened uh, recently, and uh, y- you can you can cut this out if this is too much of a tangent. Oh, you rewatch Waterworld, and you realize that we were right. No, no. I was going to say in relation to Waterworld I was reminded because something happened recently where the guy from the H3 podcast went on a political podcast and didn't know much about politics so he secretly brought Sam Cedar with him to Oh yeah take yeah 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 yeah. And uh, it, for me, uh, I, I did that first, where Louis Michael was my Sam Cedar. I was like, <laughs> "How do I def- properly defend Waterworld? I can't do it on my own." I and I brought in the big guns to uh, to help s- support my perspective.
0: Hilarious. Let's be fair; you defended Waterworld, and Louis made fun of me for my aversion <laughs> to men's feet.
1: <laughs> no, that's true. That's that's entirely yes. true. Yeah,
0: you are. Uh, you are so you
2: kiss great him? at yeah, <laughs> stop you it.
0: <laughs> you're just great at talking about movies and you've renewed a passion of movies for me and for allison yeah and, you know just the way that you find a way to make it a good focal point for having a conversation really mm-hmm. kind of inspired us to do this to have conversations with each other because i sat there very quietly while you guys recorded your episode about the shining (laughs) wanting to have
2: a conversation wanting to interject and put his own (laughs) yeah he's like i wanted to talk more is really what it came down to he just needs more excuses to talk
1: so (laughs) that's that's entirely why i started a podcast because i was sick of listening to movie podcasts where i couldn't interject and it's (laughs) just
2: perfect
0: yeah well your star wars uh special (laughs) episode was definitely one where i was like you know what i wish i could be part of that recording and tell them everything they got wrong
1: that was in the back of my mind that was uh, actually the first time i talked to you and you mentioned that you were listening to that i thought oh no and i pictured you <laughs> seething just like oh well popping pop, popping bubble wrap or something just to get get the uh the anger out i listened in the car and it did
0: cause me a little bit of road rage <laughs> Did I run a Miata off into the ditch?
2: Yeah.
1: Is it
0: all your fault? Probably.
2: Listen, well, if he was driving a Miata, he deserved it.
1: <laughs> well, but back to the topic of of how much you like me. Otherwise, I, uh, I I'm, <laughs> I'm no, I'm very. Ha- I've that such a huge compliment and a huge uh, personal success that uh, I had that kind of impact on your guys's uh, on what you do, and I yeah. love the podcast. Yeah. So you saved our marriage. <laughs> Our You're marriage is not in jeopardy. You're no, welcome, Benji.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, how is he supposed to be a good comedian if he's not going to come from a broken home? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You made us watch – well, you gave us a list of movies. And yeah. Literally every <laughs> single movie that you gave us was stuff that we were both like, oh, I want to watch that. I want to watch that. I want." So we literally went with the first thing on your list. Which was Anatomy of a Murder, mm-hmm. an Otto Preminger film. Man, not only is it a great, movie, it's a great movie, and all the reviews from lawyers saying, wow, this is the movie that got it right, yeah. are, is right on, but Otto Preminger, at least for this movie, he's so slyly funny. Where there's just like, yeah. look, wow. It was like,
2: really funny through a lot of, like, the, I thought it was weird at first that the, um, the people sitting in the courtroom kept laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I guess that's probably a thing that happens. And then it just, it was so hilarious to me that everyone kept laughing. Like, that it was actually really funny, even though there's this very serious mm-hmm. situation happening. Like, there's just this little bit of, like, levity there. I liked that.
1: Yeah. And I think a, a lot of that comes from the fact that they're dealing with something serious, but these are all professionals that take some joy in their job and what they do. So there's, like, a bit of, like, a. Uh, Mm -hmm. there's like a weird like sort of like perverse enjoyment for jimmy stewart's character and for george c scott's character and and they like the battle that they're in and uh, there's one moment that i actually wrote down that i always love when the judge after uh one of the witnesses makes a joke he says the attorneys will provide the wise cracks and jimmy (laughs) And Jimmy Stewart has a little moment where he kind of starts laughing in the middle of his line that seems so natural. And it seems so like he might have not actually anticipated that or something.
0: I was going to point to a different judge moment that I was like, oh, that is so like deep where uh, the judge says something about like, all right, well, no need to make a federal issue out of it. And then he just kind of pauses and it's just on him yeah. and the guy who played the judge is not an actor right joseph and welch he was the attorney for the united states army in the case of the army versus joseph mccarthy mm. a federal issue <laughs> so it was just funny that i was like oh man that is so great that he's
1: yeah yeah and for somebody who isn't an actor, and I think virtually acted in no other films... No, this is his only yeah. credit, not as himself. Right. He is um, such a well-realized character, and he's mm-hmm. he's very funny, I think, very dry, and in a way also like the audience surrogate. I One thing I notice is... Towards the end of the movie, near the end of the trial, he has a line where he's like so exasperated, and he's like, "We're close to the end," <laughs> and he's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's please? a two-hour, forty-minute movie. We all feel the same way, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, it's a long movie, but honestly, I think if it, because it's adapted from a book, correct?
1: A book which was adapted from a true story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that actually like... happened in Marquette.
2: Oh, that's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's not cool, but it's cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, And this was filmed basically on location in uh, the UP in Marquette. And uh, it's, I would never pronounce the name properly. How did you discover this movie? Did you, through film school or is this just one of those that, you know, because it appears on a lot of hundred movies you need to see before you die. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So actually this is a movie that recently became important to me uh, because I, I watched it for the first time last year. I I kind of I actually blind bought the Criterion Blu-ray during the July Criterion sale last year. So we were well into uh, COVID lockdowns, yeah. And I was making my way through a bunch of movies at that point. I think I had watched thirty spaghetti westerns for the first time <laughs> or something, and I needed a break. And so I I I just got it. Kind of just it looked interesting. I had heard a lot about it. And I'd never seen any films by Otto Preminger. He was always a director I wanted to get into a little bit. He's a, oh. a favorite. He's a favorite of John Waters, actually. John Waters often brings up Otto Preminger as like a kind of a famous provocateur that precedes him, and particularly in like the content that his movies dealt with. And so. Yeah, I watched it, and I was—I sat there for the whole two hours, 40 minutes, didn't look at my phone once, I didn't pause it once, I was just infatuated with the whole movie, and I was caught off guard, first of all, by the Michigan representation. Yeah. That yeah. part's especially great. I love, there's a moment where... You know, because Jimmy Stewart's the small town uh, Marquette lawyer and George C. Scott is the the big city lawyer from Lansing. Uh Yes. Uh, Yes. And he has like his, you know, just like, oh, I'm just a small town lawyer and I I don't want to (laughs) insult the the hot shot from Lansing. And (laughs) just hearing his voice in this context, kind of getting into this sort of niche. Wait, was that his voice or was that Don Knotts voice? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was Don Knotts voice. That (laughs) was a
2: pretty solid Jimmy Stewart. It, i'm it's, not
1: gonna lie it's my uh, yeah i usually i can do a better one if i really put it put my all into it but uh,
2: <laughs> a better don knots
1: <laughs> yeah. you nailed don knots right there
0: it's <laughs> my generally because
2: he can't do impressions
1: <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's my it's my generally uh 1940s through 60s <gasps> uh a uh, silly man voice but mm-hmm. I, I i think um hearing his voice in that that very niche Michigan culture war uh, was something that was interesting to me. But I think I was just, I've seen a lot of courtroom dramas. I think a lot of them are good. You know, some of them not so much. But what stuck out about this one to me was that there was nothing moralistic about this. You know, I no. feel as though a lot of those movies, like A Few Good Men, you know, it's like Tom Cruise is gonna, he's gonna prove that, you know, the, the whatever, yeah. like, it's like, it, in this, Jimmy Stewart is not fighting for a belief. He's just doing his job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's weird, too, because, like, it almost seems like, I
0: mean, the movie's older than all three of us put together, almost. <laughs> like, yeah. is it okay
1: to spoil the ending?
0: Well, it, uh,
1: well, should well, we establish then... the the setup first? Yeah, yeah, go, uh, cool. yeah. Uh, so it's basically, as is almost verbatim, the actual true story that it's based on, uh, and the, the book, which was written by the lawyer who inspired Jimmy Stewart's character. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is this uh, lawyer who is uh, defending a man who's on trial for murdering a man who supposedly raped his wife. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Jimmy Stewart basically has to make this case that there's very little precedent for. I think there's one case in like 1887, yeah,
0: 18 something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is basically saying that the murder is excusable for reasons of momentary insanity, basically. And they use a specific phrase. I'll look it up in the movie. But ba- uh, basically saying that um, even though it was premeditated, the fit of rage that he was in can still excuse the murder itself.
2: Yeah, like, it, so, it, like he wasn't in control, like even though he knew right from wrong, he wasn't in control of his actions.
1: Which makes it quite a new, unique story because the movie is not about trying to prove whether or whether or not a murder happened. We know the murder happened. We know he yeah. did it. It's really entirely about Jimmy Stewart versus the two other lawyers, the prosecution, mm-hmm. and who's the better storyteller? Who can create the more compelling yeah. narrative? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like it's very um, it's an interesting case because it's like there are stakes, Mm. but it's not these traditional stakes like where you're trying to prove like, did he do it or did he not do it? You know, was he framed? It's not like that. It's no, he definitely did this. It's determining whether or not he should go to jail for it. And it's like you said, it's. It's who can spin the story in the best way so that the client either wins or loses. It's so well done just how phrasing a question in a different way or asking one extra question can change the entire viewpoint. Right. It's really well done.
1: And uh, one thing about the movie that I I love is that uh, I do. I want to talk about Jimmy Stewart first because I think mm-hmm. he's he's obviously the central thing in this movie, and we all we all know Jimmy Stewart. I think he has an incredibly just like a definable presence that we're used to, and I think we associate. He, he's sort of like the Tom Hanks of his time, right? He's oh yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Generally, you know, he plays these characters like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, uh, or his character in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, who are kind of like these righteous characters very likable they kind of represent a certain part of america that we're sort of nostalgic for his character in this movie uh Beagler, is very much like that but he's also like he's employing this folksy jimmy stewartness in a way that's a little sly and a little conniving it's like yeah he knows that he gives off that folksy vibe and he's using it for the audience and for the jury to kind of basically shape this narrative, and it's like I think it's that's what makes it such a compelling Jimmy Stewart performance is that all of his Jimmy Stewartisms are being used very smartly by the character to win over the judge and to win over the jury
0: yeah was Lee Remick the one who was also in uh, Face in the Crowd yes
1: yeah yeah, which has the same sort of you know
0: it's Andy Griffith playing the up the good old southern the good old boy
2: you know kind of being like look I'm just one of you guys kind of a thing
1: as we were kind of talking about with like the movie is incredibly ambiguous it goes out of its way to not really make you decide one way or the other whether or not the uh, the rape that led to the murder happened obviously you know emotionally we feel conflicted because if this man barney if he did commit the rape we think obviously the murder is excusable at the same time ben gazzara does a really good job uh portraying the defendant frederick mannion because he is very unlikable and it's also a And it's established that his wife, Mrs. Mannion, who's played by Lee Remick, is also a little scared of him. So there's this implied possible domestic dispute between the two of them. It's really hard to emotionally grasp one side of the fight. So... Our investment also becomes purely logical and purely just what will the outcome be? You know, who will win?
0: And it's also very timely in we're living in the Me Too era mm-hmm. and it's like, man, yeah, she's a big
2: flirt. But did but, she deserve it? Like But
0: it's, did she get
2: right? Like, yeah. It's, it's one, one of a, those things where yeah. you're like, gosh, like this lawyer is kind of implying like she was being flirtatious, you know, mm. she she wanted to hook up you know she she wasn't this wasn't something she didn't want because of how she was dressed or because of you know how she was behaving yeah it's very relevant today like the entire situation like can we trust her because she dresses like a tramp like right it's so delicate
1: of course yeah no definitely and i think it would be i think a lesser film would make her not that character you know right yeah they would
2: have made her very like virginal very um right demure and and gentle and they were like look this stuff can happen to anybody i think was what i took from it like just because that's how she acts doesn't mean she deserved that kind of a thing to happen to her.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think there's also that shadow of a doubt where you're like, well, did he rape her or did they just have sex? Like Mm. there's so many layers to how you're thinking about how everybody is in this entire movie.
1: Either way, whichever story you decide um in the movie because obviously it's fictional we don't quite know what happened in real life but also we don't quite know what happens in the fictional universe of this movie like either way she's a victim of what's happening yeah 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 yeah. either she's barney's victim or she's a victim of her husband because
2: or both or both both.
1: yeah and and very yeah very possibly both right but obviously you know she wouldn't be lying just to denigrate a dead man she would be doing it for her own safety against her husband yeah, so you yeah, also see too. her in a very complicated place. And I think that's why her performance is so good, because she's introduced in this very like she's quite confident and she's kind of flirty yes. with Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also there's these great moments of vulnerability with her, too, particularly when she's on the stand and yes. George C. Scott is questioning her. Um, that's yeah. why I think she gives like the second greatest performance in the movie yeah
2: yeah the scene with her when she's on the stand and she's like i don't understand you know like you can see it just like in her eyes even like that there's this fearful response where she's like i'm afraid and you don't know if it's an i'm afraid because i think i'm being caught or and i'm afraid because this is another guy who's attacking me it's so well done yeah. The, her her reaction because she does come off so confident and like yes, this thing happened to me, but I'm fine. And then you see how vulnerable she is in the in those moments when she's on the stand.
0: Yeah, I really like to, and it's a thing that when it happens nowadays, it seems like people highlight the fact that it's happening nowadays but i really love these movies from the 50s and earlier where you have these really long shots Mm -hmm. that you know you you're just letting actors do their craft as someone who can't memorize anything like (laughs) uh just how prepared these actors were, you
1: know. And the dialogue's so incredibly well written. It rolls off their tongues, you know. It's like there's like a music to it a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yes. And every single, especially in these courtroom scenes, every single move that every character is making is so calculated. And there's a one, speaking of like a long shot, there's a moment I really love that's after Jimmy Stewart gives this great little speech where he's saying like, because basically the prosecution is trying to Talk about the quote unquote trouble that led to the murder without acknowledging uh, acknowledging the alleged rape that led to the murder yes. and mm-hmm. so Jimmy Stewart describes it as like taking the core out of an apple without breaking the skin and he mm-hmm. says i and then there 's this great moment, a great acting moment where he kind of repeats the same thing where he 's just like he 's like that 's why I beg of the court. I beg of the court to let me like break into break the, the apple, yeah. break the skin of the apple, and then there's this wide shot of like we're seeing the judge think about it and he like opens up this little pocket watch and you see him play with the pocket watch and (laughs) it's just this one shot and then uh he says like um overruled to the man who's trying to object it. And that's a great, it's a huge turning point, but it's like just seeing this moment where we can just see the judge sit and think about it and fiddle with this pocket watch. Yeah, like letting
2: those moments breathe, I think, gets lost a lot in modern film. I mean, I feel like it's it's starting to reemerge now, but... Yeah, there was a long time where it was like cut 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 and there's no moments to breathe and or if it was if it was it was like a hmm okay like a very deliberate right. You don't really just let someone sit and think on camera <laughs> that often. And I love that moment. I'm so glad you brought that up cuz yes, by you know saying like look, you can't just say that there was some trouble and that's why he killed this guy. Like you need to you need to understand like how upset he was because this really horrible thing happened and it's it is a turning point i really i'm glad you brought that up that was that was a really good really good scene
0: is it my issue with faces or did you guys both think that ben gazzara in his late 20s and george c scott in his early 30s looked very similar <laughs> when the first shot of ben gazzara like i know him primarily through like roadhouse and sure. big lebowski yeah. And later (laughs) in life, he doesn't look anything like George C. Scott. But when they were younger, I was like,
1: oh, wow, they look very similar. Well, George C. Scott has slightly like blonder hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it just helps that they're sitting at different tables the whole movie. So you can. uh... So (laughs) This is your nice way of both of you just saying that I can't tell the difference of faces. (laughs) Okay. I get it. I mean,
2: you know, it's black and white and.
1: Yeah. You're all right. Looking at this with a modern lens, there's a certain character, there's a witness who's played by Murray Hamilton. uh, Yes, yes playing yeah yeah the uh, mayor mayor don't close the beaches and jaws Uh, (laughs) yeah he's a character who i think appears different to us now than he may have then because now particularly in the post me too movement you have this guy who's kind of coming up and he's he's covering for a
2: dead man
1: yes yes he's he's covering for barney yeah uh and that's a great moment too i love how you know he's going like oh he'd go out drinking and jimmy stewart keeps sarcastically going oh good old barney oh, you yeah. barney he's the kind of character who now is like we see as the oh boys will be boys kind of character yeah and yeah. that's that's just somebody who's automatically so appalling when we see that personality on screen i don't know necessarily how he hit with audiences back then but he's just he's like a archetype now when he shows mm-hmm. up
0: yeah oh yeah it's so weird in a great way how far we've come with validating women's rights since this movie was right. made. Because
1: there are so many cringe moments where it's like,
0: yeah, well, that's how it was,
1: you know? Mm. <laughs> like, And this movie, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that the reason this movie, Otto Preminger, as I said, is kind of known as a provocateur. And this movie was known for its very, and I, and I don't think the movie's, exploitative in any way but it's just very frank in how it discusses yes yeah yeah it uses a lot of language that had never been used before and jimmy stewart's dad was very
0: upset with him you and i should do in our imitations of jimmy stewart's dad i'll be his dad (laughs) you be jimmy stewart okay and uh you just let me read the script
1: well, son, I read the script. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, Dad, oh, 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 wait just a minute here. Let me say, like, uh, if you if you got a problem with with with, with my films, then uh, you can you can uh, pay for your own nurse. Let me tell you that, Dad. Oh no, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I meant I love it. It just. Uh, by well, the way, I... you sound a lot more like you than you do donuts now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I. That's what I thought. You, 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 you old you old cook now. No, no, no. Kiss, <laughs> kiss the ring and, and, and never speak of it again. Kiss the ring. Oh, okay? I've loved you ever since you last sewed the moon for me, boy.
0: <laughs> I don't know why he became Irish at the end. Yeah. Uh, Good effort,
1: though. Yeah. The point is nobody can question Jimmy Stewart, not even, right. especially the people he provides for.
2: That's right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you you hit it out of the ballpark with this one. Yeah,
2: this was great. I'm so glad we finally got an opportunity to watch it because it is one that I've wanted to see for a long time and just haven't.
0: When we finished it, Allison pointed out that it reminded her of Primal Fear a little bit Mm. because of the ending. It's kind of set up the way I interpreted it. And I kind of got this at the beginning, too, when Jimmy Stewart was like, all right, Ben Gazzara, here's your only way out. If we can kind of. Can you maybe, get there? Yeah. yeah. Can you? Can
2: you think about it?
0: Yeah. Right. And his irresistible impulse. You yeah. Know, right. Where uh, he takes off at the end. Ben Gazzara takes off. He's found not guilty and mm-hmm. he leaves. He never pays Jimmy Stewart. And yeah. Jimmy Stewart seems kind of fine with it. like, He's it, like it was, yeah. He just likes playing the game. You know, he won right. the
1: game. Yeah, And he, he is in a financial situation because it's also mentioned that he just lost his reelection bid right. for district attorney, and so at the end of it, they are trying to start a new firm together. And mm-hmm. uh, and I like his little crew too. His his uh, his friend with the drinking problem, and yeah, who, he helps kind of get sober by getting him into this Involved, investigation. Yeah. yeah, there's a bit of like a. To us, it was the job. That's what we yeah. liked about it. Yeah. And I think the decision by Ben Gazar and Lee Remick to leave at the end can be interpreted a couple different ways. It can be interpreted as though that is a guilty man who mm-hmm. needed to flee, or it's just, um, hey, this is the site of where a sexual assault and a murder happened that they also want to get away from. And also they killed a beloved, he killed a beloved person in the town. In town. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. And also wasn't able to pay Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all valid. Yeah. What do you guys think happened
0: though? Like if you had to, I I know that that isn't the point of this story, (laughs) but what do you guys think? is the true story.
1: Oh, so, well, okay. So I don't know enough about the true story. Yeah,
0: without uh, knowing it's... anything about the true story at mm-hmm. all. Like the in the movie universe, what do you think happened?
1: So obviously, I first have to say that I'm a big believer in the fact that uh nothing actually happened and there is no correct answer. But right. obviously, uh This is all I, fictional. Yeah. To project, yeah. Uh, yeah, to project, I would just say I want This is a bad thing. This feels like a bad thing to say. Mm -hmm. But I want it to be true for the reasons that I want the man who was murdered to have been somewhat justifiably murdered. Yeah, and I want I want the ruling to be somewhat justified. I guess yeah. in the end that the man who got free, even though he's not a likable character, yeah. and you really hope that Lee Remick leaves him after the events of the movie. I want his his verdict to be justified. So I guess that's where I lean. But I don't feel like there's a necessarily a good scenario between no. the two. No, yeah. Yeah. No, this is a lose-lose. What about you, Allison?
2: <laughs> I guess I sort of felt like something happened between Lee Remick and, and this Barney guy, but it doesn't feel like like maybe she just wanted to go make out, and he was like, mm-hmm. let's do this thing. And she was like, maybe not. And he, I sort of feel like something definitely happened that went too far, where right. she was not okay with it. Whether or not she went there willingly and things got out of control or... She went there against her will. I don't think really matters. It seems to me like something happened that she didn't want happen and that her husband probably got mad at her. But once, you know, she was like, look, I swear to God, this happened. he was like, well, someone's got to pay. And he just went and shot the guy. Right. And I think it says something that, you know, Barney had kind of a lookout. You know, he's like, I did something and this guy's definitely going to be pissed at me, you know. Yeah, I think it says something Mm. that he did have someone looking out, you know, to let him know.
1: And we obviously I think the big one major piece of evidence that ends up helping the the verdict is that Mary Plant, who's uh, the daughter, we find out is the daughter of Barney, Mm -hmm. has the ripped panties in possession. The panties, which are kind of the major sort of um, MacGuffin of the movie. Yes. Because it all hinges on those ripped panties. Yeah, and,
2: like, did were you wearing any? Did you, you know, right? Are, you know, did you take them home? You know, but
0: could they have been planted? Because right. if
2: Barney took knows? a trophy,
1: would he have just thrown them in the laundry? Right, you know? but then it begs the question of why they would be ri- ripped as well. And yeah,
2: like, why are they well, ripped? Maybe, there's a lot of maybe a, Lee
1: Remick ripped them.
2: Who knows? Yes. You know?
1: Yeah. Maybe she was things. so
2: scared
0: of her husband that she did what she could to make sure that he got off. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Is that where you're leaning, Mike? That is where I'm leaning. Yeah. yeah. I, which I don't.
2: You don't like I know. That, I hate it bad. in
0: 2021 <laughs> to victim blame. But right. I think this fictional <laughs> victim.
1: <laughs> well, I don't necessarily know if you. I think you can still make that case without victim blaming because you're still not necessarily blaming uh, Ms. Mannion.
2: No, you're saying like, look, she. Because she as, did something. She was definitely afraid of her husband. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. he had a history of
1: violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So she
2: had reason to be afraid. I don't think she knew he was right. going to go kill somebody. Right. Probably thought he was going to go beat him up.
1: And that brings me to where I think, as I was saying, where where uh, G- Stewart's character is employing this folksy attitude and this likability, he's also kind of leaning into sort of middle america culture war stuff where he's like uh this uh, like when they bring up the 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 cellmate in this kind of cheap little last ploy oh, yeah. to get at him and he says like like i'm surprised you're you're trying to denigrate this officer from the military with the words of a felon which is clearly something that his character doesn't personally believe in right yeah but he's saying it to try to win over the you know yeah. the the UP <laughs> crowd. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to point out also, I think one of the major things about this movie is the score by Duke Ellington. Yes! Who yes. has a cameo in this. Yeah, who has a yes. like little
2: cameo in it. He has I a was great like,
1: ca- oh yeah. Which is also kind of a great moment in establishing Stewart's character because he's kind of having fun. He's like jamming out next to Duke yes. Ellington's. character. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting score. It's like this jazzy, you know, it, like it doesn't entirely match what you're seeing, but it no, matches the no. mood, and you kind of feel like I, I think it's such an original score. And it's one I of the really most liked things it. I think it
2: set things really nicely because even though there's kind of this like jazzy element to it, it's also yeah. like, well, this is kind of what's going on around all of this chaos. So it would, it might not seem perfect for the moment, but it's perfect for where they are. Like physically I guess
1: well and and I think it also works for maybe Jimmy Stewart's internal feelings of like this sort of rejuvenation he feels from this case yeah uh Mm -hmm. And also, kind of just famous for being, I think, one of the earliest mainstream film scores that was that was entirely composed by Black people, yeah. um, particularly in a film that wasn't in, like because at, right, at the time a movie right at the time Duke Ellington. yeah yeah at the time a movie with an all Black cast was a lower budgeted movie. It was considered a lot of white directors. It was considered uh, sort of an end of career thing if you were directing all Black. Cast movies, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just a heart thats a harsh reality of just where the industry yeah. was. Yeah. And so this obviously big budget movie, big big white movie stars, and to have Duke Ellington do the score, and it's one of the most famous aspects of the movie. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. It's, yeah. It also
0: made me realize how great of an imitation Jordan Peele does <laughs> on, on Big Mouth. Mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that portrayal is spot not on. far off at all. It is like, pretty spot like, on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I cannot urge everyone enough to listen to the We Are Movies podcast. Yes. Johnny is an excellent host. His guests are super thoughtful. It's an excellent podcast. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, If you like movies, you'll love this podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you're afraid
0: of classics... Don't be. Yeah, don't be. Like, listen to one of those episodes, and you can hear Johnny and his friends. A lot of them are comedians. Some of them are other film students, people Mm -hmm. that you just know throughout life. But talk about classic movies in a a very fun way, Mm -hmm. not a uh, threatening, like, oh, I'm not (laughs) nearly smart enough to listen to. Yeah. I
1: I will say there's one episode that I did with my film professor, Justice Nealon, that it's the only one my mom couldn't make it all the way through because she felt <laughs> dumb listening to it. Aww. But, but it, that's a, a rare case. If you see a doctor before the name of the person who's on, just take that as a warning that it might be a little less formal than the other ones. <laughs> Got it. But.
0: Next time you have me on, um, which I guess I'll talk about Strange Brew one day, um, yes. can yeah. you title me as uh, Dr. Michael Bobbitt so that way <laughs> your mom doesn't accidentally <laughs> listen to that one and I can be offensive? And since yeah. I know that your mom will listen to this because she is a very supportive supportive mom hi mrs mockney hi, hi mom. you have a i say it every your time i talk cool. to johnny like but you did an excellent job both you and mr mockney your son is uh smart and uh likable and uh creative and very motivated so kiss way him? to go mockneys you
2: wanna
0: kiss? don't want to kiss johnny or yeah. johnny's mom johnny <laughs> why do i it just has to be johnny
2: you want to kiss johnny's mom too and his dad Oh, okay. Yeah. Like on the chief? All of us, of course. Oh, cute. All right. I'm
0: married to you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so. for
2: that.
0: Thank you, Johnny.
1: Uh, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm such a big fan of your show. And, oh,
2: um, thank you. I'm,
1: I'm I'm really glad to have finally been a part of it, and I'm I'm well, glad you love the you've movie.
0: You've been a part of it for a right, while.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> True. I hope, and I'm, and I hope this more than makes up for the Waterworld fiasco. <laughs> it funny. does. No, you're already out of the penalty box for a while. Yeah. We okay. right.
0: uh, you. Like like yeah like Mungo. Like Mungo. Oh, so God that movie was so good. Ugh,
2: broke yeah. my heart in a million right. pieces but it was
0: Yeah, so good. I was just rereading through our uh, text messages when I was texting you for this. It's just it brought back Lake <laughs> Mungo a lot and I'm like, man, yeah. we need to rewatch that. That's that That movie, great movie. So it
1: just got its first Blu-ray release actually.
0: <gasps> oh my Wow. I
1: just, I ordered it. Uh, so it's in the mail, but yeah, it's like a real collector's edition with a bunch of commentaries and stuff. So, Oh, super cool.
0: Well, I hope that you will come back and join us again because like I said, you gave us a list and absolutely everything on your list was movies.
2: We want to see. We're like,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All of them. Uh You are excellent. Check out stages in Lansing. Now that shows are starting again. Um, Johnny got a backhanded compliment saying that he was finally funny. And uh, <laughs> you are so much healthier mentally than I am. Because when you told me about that, I was just like, in my head, I was like, man, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, what? I wasn't funny before? <laughs> you asshole. Check out Johnny D stand-up. All right. So, Allison. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys.